Hi there, and welcome back to another weekly episode of On Repeat with me, Ellie Rashid, and me, Hattie Winter. And this week, our lovely guest is the very talented Mina Izan, aka I Love Strings. Yes, she is a New York based composer, arranger, producer, and violinist. And she's worked, recorded, and toured with some incredible names such as Smashing Pumpkins, Christina Perry, and Tiesto. Indeed, she has. Those are amazing names, and it doesn't stop there. She has an equally impressive resume composing soundtracks for commercials, TV, and films. Her early work was first found in the most syndicated travel show in the world, which is Lonely Planet, and she's since gone on to work with the likes of Tilda Swinton and Aaron Eckert. She's recently also composed music for a very beautiful band exciting yeah i'm also really excited for her new ambient track which is going to be released in early 2021 it sounds really weird saying 2021 it feels like oh gosh it really does 2020 <laughs> hasn't even happened um but yeah it's being it's being released by uk label uh which is called sister music london and we're getting really geared up to have a listen in this episode we speak about composing soundtracks and think about a day in the life of her work also, what it's like to be an artist in New York City in 2020. Plus, how Mina's experience traveling has shaped what she does and how she works. Not only that, but I will also note that in this episode, we speak about music and activism, which are two extremely connected themes. It's very fitting because we are actually recording this introduction on the evening of a very monumental US election. And I definitely urge you to go to Mina's website and check out her page on BIPOC. You can learn about some resources and organisations and just some BIPOC creators. I think it's really important that we all go and learn more about each other and support each other. You can find that page at ilovestrings.com forward slash BIPOC and we will put the link in our show notes as well as on our Instagram. I loved this interview because I felt like we really... I heard some things that are from the heart and massive respect to Mina for sharing some of this. I think it was really, really important to get to understand where she was coming from, both personally and musically. So big mm. shout out to, to Mina for that. And also she just offers some sound advice on how you might want to go about edging into the niche elitist world that is the music industry. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, particularly for, for us, I mean, well, particularly for me, like, I don't know loads about kind of composing and like the soundtrack kind of side for me, it does feel like such a world away from what I, from what I kind of know. So it's yeah, super interesting and fascinating to learn more about something that feels quite far away. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But like, hopefully people listening to this will also feel the same, whether they're familiar with it or, or not. So let us know. You know what to do. <laughs> Enjoy. Enjoy. My name is Mina Isan. Um, I'm at I Love Strings, and uh, I'm a composer and an arranger and I, a musician I, I play too so you're you're in New York I am yeah now. but you were born in London right yes I was yeah I was born and raised in London whereabouts which bit of London 
born in Stoke Newington when Stoke oh, yeah. before Stoke Newington was Stoke Newington. I've got to say, was, yeah, got gentrified. Oh yes. yeah, big time. It was it was it was different. I was born there, but I, I didn't grow up there. Um, I I grew up further north. I was, I was like I moved. This this is a thing with my geography to preempt the questioning. Even that, that it's like I have moved all the time for a lot so the geography of my life is not like it's really not simple um and yeah so you know basically I was in London I was I lived South London North London East London I was in Brick Lane I was in Camden Brixton like Soho for three years um Tottenham sort of area Edmonton like I was I was all over the place um and then I started traveling with music um so in my teens was the first time I went to Europe with music and and then you know I was just like all over Europe and then it was like Japan India South America New York in the 90s um back and forward like always my base being London but a lot of time traveling and not in London but London being my base and then I went on a trip to LA for three weeks in 2004 and that turned into, I've been here for 16 years in the States. So I was, I was in LA for like a decade um, and then moved from LA to New York, but always within that time period, still moving around. When I went to LA, I didn't go back to England for eight years though. So, you know, I'm, I am an American citizen now. I became a citizen through the process of being here and, and self-sponsoring and going through that whole thing. And, um so yeah that's that's the geography it's amazing but so many places if you if you don't mind me asking was there a reason why like when you were um so young why you were moving around so much because you weren't you said you were working a bit when you were a teenager but when you were a child it sounds like you've literally been everywhere so when, when I was a child I lived in the family home and that was in one place and um, then when I, I I ran away from home and I think that was the impetus. Honestly, you know, I've been talking to my therapist about it this summer, but it's like I didn't stop. So I made the I and it I remember the um the travel impetus came before the music. So it was like I always played music, I always loved music, but actually um the love of travel, I think, did make me think, okay, what kind of career can I form for myself where I'm still going to be able to travel? I'm going to be able to move around even more than I am now. And not just move around, but it's like when, you, when you're making music and you're moving around, like if you're doing shows or, you know, there's diff many different reasons within music that you need to move around. And you're having a connection with people, whether it's the audience or, you know, people you're collaborating with, musicians or industry folk or, you know, so... It, it was wanting to not, I didn't want to just roam aimlessly. I wanted to mm. have a life where it was built in to be connecting and, and really working with people and living with people and being in a place, um, lots of places. And so that was absolutely a, you know, a reason why I then was like, okay, yeah, this thing that I, I, I'm good at, I love doing it. I believe I can make it happen. And, but I'm really, a lot of it was around it because I want to, be everywhere and it's it's just you know anyone who's been more than one place which are most people these days knows how inspiring it is to to go somewhere and for me the idea of like you know being in one place for 50 weeks of the year and then going somewhere else for two weeks and sitting on a beach or something was I was just like and I want to build my life around um 
geographical changes mm. yeah around the moving um and then when you said like playing music what were you playing were you playing instruments were you in a band all different things so um the the earliest tours was with classical music classical orchestras um so you know i went to like france germany there was like uh italy tour so that was all like classical music and um then then i started plugging in my violin and putting effects units and stuff and playing with djs and electronic producers before i then started making my own productions and stuff but the very we talk about the very very early days like my teen years so then i found myself in japan when i was still a teen i was probably like 19 or something plugged into a dj mixer a friend that i still have and um that was the trip where i was just like i need to get you know um how do you say it? like just disciplined around making it happen not just like rely on like oh this is fun this you know there's that beginning of your career where you're just kind of not motivated not together and you're just kind of stuff happens and I was like no I, I want to make those things happen and that's when I started producing myself and you know starting to craft a career and make some choices about it because I was like no this this is great <laughs> yeah definitely very conscious and you're so lucky as well to do that at that age because yeah. I think that I'm still in that bit being like, I'll just let it fall into place. <laughs> yeah, so you can so easy to do that with music as well. I just wanted um, about when you were talking about running away from home and things like that. Is that like li- like literally you ran away? Yeah. Or so you ran away and was and then you sort of just because you went to the Royal College. I did. Of music, right? So how how. Like, so how did that all happen? So I basically, I, I, I don't, you, you don't know, I, I, I don't want to go too deep into my personal shit. That's okay. I, I'm just trying to, I'm just connecting something. Yeah, the living are involved. So I, I don't want to go there too deeply into it, but that's okay. um, out of respect. But um, I, I don't think it's sort of um, disrespectful to say, you know, that there was a general feeling from my my family that it would be probably a wiser move if I wasn't a musician I'd announced to everybody that I wanted to be a musician when I was living at home Mm. and at school and um, so then they stopped my lessons and banned me from playing because um, they thought it would be a better idea for me to get a profession that is more likely to make money so I understand that it came from a caring place but it also had no understanding of um, you know my, my wishes and also the the fact yeah. that when you are a musician, you just have to be a musician. It's mm-hmm. not even a choice, actually. I, I, I really see it as, as similar to being gay. Like if yeah. if if yeah. you're gay, it's really inconvenient. You know, a lot of people, they would might want to choose not to be gay because it's more convenient. You can just fit in with normal life and like, you know, have a regular family and everything's normal. There's no ceilings to your progress in life. And, you know, but mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Um, problem is you're gay, so you have to be gay. And likewise with music, it's it's like I, I really do see it um, as a similar thing. So anyway, so um, I then started um, getting around the band. My teacher secretly continued teaching me without getting payment at this point because she saw that I was talented and, and deserved Aww. her time. And yeah, she was amazing. That's incredible. And I, I just, I, I practiced all the time outside of that. And then I put myself through auditions for college. And 
then once I got in, so they thought I'd stopped playing for a couple of years, but I was like doing it. I was skipping school lessons as well to make mm. it happen. So I, I, you know, I was just, I was, I was constantly having like band practice or something like every lesson I'd be like, Oh, sorry, <laughs> I've got to go to band practice, whatever. Like nobody kind of tallied the the thing together. Cause you know, anyway, so I, I, I got all the practice in, got myself into Royal College of Music, um, then announced it, um, did that for a while. And then while I was at home and then ran away from all of it. So I did not complete college. I didn't complete school. Um, and I ran away to uh, the squat scene at the time in London, which was um, amazing. It was incredibly creative and inspiring. Um, you know, a ton of music and art and like everything. So that that was my finishing school. Yeah. So I so I got I got enough at the Royal College. I, I got um enough of a formal training in composition. So I you know, I I know how to do the fundamental stuff. And I think I actually even that wasn't planned this way, I, I got out at a good time before I just became a classical composer, which I am certainly not. So I think I got enough of the foundation um to allow me to, you know, write sheet music and be able to conduct orchestras and stuff but not so much that I'm like, you know, kind of really classical and kind of a bit staid yeah. and whatever, you know, without rigid maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, bless those guys. I love that stuff. But like, that's not what I do. What I do is, is definitely not, you know, it has more fluidity to it. So yeah. That's, that's really interesting. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that, by the way. Like I know yeah. that I'm, I'm sorry to feel like, um, if it feels like I was prodding you, I just wanted to sort no. of understand, uh, in conjunction with the music that you write, actually, that's kind of what I was thinking. And I, and I mean, I think that, you know, just, I know that, um, everyone has different stories and they all have their own complex intricacies. Um, but I certainly feel like, uh, a lot of people and I don't know if it's generational or just the way people are brought up cultural whatever but there are so many issues with um uh like well people who have issues anyway with a uh, musician as a profession and it's still happening now like more and more people have portfolio careers more people are able to do what um what they need to do artistically but you're totally right like that like that was what you wanted to do and and you almost feel like if, if it's what you want to do there's nothing else you can do and if it's something that you want to do and that you're good at then you will do it well um but it's an amazing 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 story like yeah thank you for sharing it i'm i'm the bridge between orchestral strings and every other kind of music so that it's like when people see a, an acoustic guitar they don't go oh do you play classical now they could do because there's a whole world of classical music for for acoustic guitar it's great mm. but generally people think it's like singer songwriter or something if they see a guitar so when people see violins they always say oh it's classical in this in the opposite way and it's like well actually there's violins in everything I mean like you know like Motown has strings in the soul you know soul music and and like at literally everything every kind of music there's not one kind of music where there's not a history of strings in it like you could name any genre they all have it and so um 
like I basically have done stuff in every genre apart from classical with it you know since since a long time you know since that original training and and so that in terms of the notation um you know if I'm playing myself then it's I don't do notated I I, I improvise and, and my sound is not classical I do not sound like a classical player and if I want something that sounds very classical and you know tight and then I will hire someone to do that um and I'll do that when I need a string section so if I if I've got like a a, a rock or EDM or jazz or reggae or like anything artist and and they want strings then I'll write the charts and get some you know get some performers in and it can be like up to a symphony orchestra like I've, I've worked with you know a large like 44 piece symphony orchestra a number of times and and done that for you know artists that are known and um yeah and I'll do, I'll do, do just like a solo improvised line it's like anything strings do you have any genres that you particularly like working in either either because of like the parameters it has or the the limitations or just like the challenges it brings is there anything that you particularly like working with with strings um I don't know in terms of genre I mean I, I love soundtracks that's really obviously where I'm focused right now um and that in itself is not a genre I mean soundtrack mm. literally means it's every different kind and that's kind of why I like it is that it has this flexibility um I, 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 in terms of um, artistic collaborations, you know, I've, I've had an ongoing relationship with the Smashing Pumpkins for many years. And um, that, again, is not a genre. It's everything from like a solo singer songwriter thing through to like synth pop right now. So, um, you know, that's that's a, not that I'm working on synth pop thing right now, but it's <laughs> clear. But like, you know, yeah, it's, it's broad. So I guess not not being boxed in is is what I like. Mm. It's so, um, it's amazing to have these genre talks because it's something we've been doing on this podcast quite a lot. And um, we love the idea of sort of challenging genres and the boundaries between them. And I love that you've taken a sort of what's associated with being like a Western art instrument and kind of like taken it out of its, its sort of its box. Like you said, when everyone expects it to be classical, but actually it can be anything and reimagining it. I absolutely love that. Um, and I wonder if when you were maybe like at the Royal College or before then or after then, like, did you ever have like this, this sort of light bulb moment where you were like, do you know what? I'm going to do like, I'm going to try like different genres or like, were you listening to different genres? Because how do you become, I know like with arranging, um, like I've mainly arranged like jazz things and some orchestral things, but you have to know your shit when you're doing it. And if you say you're, you're doing like, reggae jazz like rock and everything how did you was it a lot of listening like how did you get to know all these different genres and when did that sort of idea come where you were like I'm gonna put strings into all these things and use it in all these different ways so most of my experience is post-college and although the college I did did give me it's you know it's always worth mentioning in a bio or something because it did give me a foundation in western classical music and in in notation most of my clients yeah. don't read and write that's where it's kind of worth saying no I, I really know how to read and write and I'm fluent at doing that but in terms of um the classical thing like just to be really clear it's, I've just not done anything in the classical world for 30 years. I'm not a classical anything. So um, I guess the, the light bulb moment was when I, I left that whole scenario. I, I left college, home, everything, 
went and into the squat scene of London and didn't look back. So continued on the road, always curious about everything and traveling geographically as well. So, you know, it, I went to Japan. I, I organically, by being in Japan, discovered a whole bunch of different styles of music. Lots of electronic mm. stuff mm. was what I discovered there. Also, um, there's, I mean, it's not Japanese music, but I got like deep into kind of... Um, kind of spacier areas of jazz like Sun Ra was a, a popular kind of artist even though he's not anything to do with Japan and um Alice Coltrane and there was this whole kind of space jazz thing going on there and there was in India obviously I did discover a lot of Indian music and but then you're like meeting people on the road so it's not just the countries it's also your so it might be people from the west or it might be people from like Latin America and we're all like traveling somewhere so you know it, it just it's a it's having a curious mind that that's really what it came down to and that's where that's kind of the mindset so when when I go places or, or right now I mean at the moment because we've not been going places right and um yeah. but I've been going down the band camp black hole you know it's like yeah I mean the band camp's insane right now you just like can keep going forever and, and you are sonically traveling so I think it's just you know, having having mm. a that curiosity and 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 I think as as time's gone on, like I have a, a I guess a gratitude as well for what we can do and what we have, and, and I think that came out of always not having much. Um, but like since the internet came in, like everybody has. I mean, I was saying the bank camera. It's like anyone who has a smartphone is just like we're living in a time where like this this it's just so easy to access and also so easy to create. And so cheap to do that, like the entry point for everybody is like, and I remember when the entry point was not low, when, when I bought my first studio stuff, which I bought secondhand from a friend who gave me a deal, but still it was like all, you know, so much money. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the democracy of now and the democracy of living and listening and all of it, like, I think it's in this time you know, it's so easy to, to focus on how hard things are because it's 2020 is, has been a extremely difficult year for me. I've got to say, along with everyone else, mm. like it's not that I'm sat here in like <laughs> loads of time with a, you know, like I've got some private income and I'm making <laughs> sourdough bread. It's really not that. It's been a really, really hard year. But within the context of, um, you know, and on the bright side, like it's never been easier in some ways still. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, coming from like the music tech side this year, I think there's been a really big uptake in people wanting to try and create music. And yes, some people I'm sure will like take it and run with it. I'm sure some people will try it, never do it again. Like that's absolutely fine. But it's mm -hmm. the fact that now there is the choice that you can, you can do that quite easily. There's like so many places you can learn from. YouTube has got million, like you said, YouTube. there's a the Bandcamp wormhole. There's a YouTube wormhole. Um, mm. you can learn everything and it's it's amazing there's so much like skill and share kind of swapping going mm. on it is you're right it is a really good time to well it's just a really good thing to be focusing on that is very easy to be like everything's crap there's actually a lot of, of really good things happening particularly yeah. Yeah, in the music sphere yeah and 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 also with the current you know political focus of 2020 you know, there there is a acknowledgement and a growing of of all of the people who are usually just not part of the picture. You know, I mean, I remember when that was so a thing, and you know, like there were so many boundaries to being accepted as 
even being with the cool kids you know now like everybody can go to the cool kids because it's on youtube <laughs> it's like literally there yeah, and you can yeah. post your shit there and people are just gonna enjoy your stuff or not depending on the merit of the work and yeah you can always find your own cool kids and people are always going to find you cool which is really nice yeah yeah um, and actually talking about politics going back to your first point um and you said that you helped um with this musical music protest mm. i suppose that, i don't really know like what that kind of means i'd love to have like a bigger like picture of what it is i'm trying to work out what that mm. kind of looks like so um elijah mclean played violin and um so basically in the town where he lived and died um aurora colorado which is a small town in colorado um some people there some black men organized a vigil where um people would play violins um together and so for there they, they were playing sheet music and and it was just kind of like, you know popular kind of songs that everybody mm. might know and so it was easy to you know play along when you've got a mixed ability group of people um but <clears throat> excuse me i i saw that that was going to happen and thought we need to amplify this message and do this in new york city also specifically because two things we have obviously a lot of musicians here mm -hmm. and a lot of people in general who were feeling very strongly this summer and still feel strongly um about you know everything that was going on this summer and all of the issues and also we have media and I was really aware of that. I was really aware of the importance of, um, you know, getting the message so that uh, Elijah's mother could see some justice for her son. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we I basically just put the call out. It was a, it was a social media fueled thing and um, a lot of string players came along. And, but the way we did it was, um, as I said, it was, it was led by two black men and, um, we kind of we had a chat around um there's a, a guy that i work with called butch morris who's a, a black man who's a conductor a jazz conductor i'd worked with him in london um in the 90s he's now passed but he he taught a thing called conduction which is a way that improvising musicians can play together having never known, known each other for never met not not having any conversation said it's a pure concert form basically using um body movements as a way to combine everyone so the leaders of the orchestra with their bodies expressing things they played and they you know you could see if it's a high note or a low note the way they're kind of holding themselves and so the whole orchestra kind of followed that visually as well as with their ears and it really was one of the most I mean obviously it was it was we were not there for beauty we were there for a message but actually mm. I think having beauty is really important in terms of um there were two things it was like it was a protest but it was a vigil I, I wanted to feel that this young man was honored and that he had a, a beautiful thing happen mm -hmm. and also because of the need for you know people to want to talk about it and and report about it so that there was some you know closure and some justice which still hasn't quite happened, by the way, because in the States, nothing's no. really happened. Um, mm. But that's that's where, that was all of the ideation of, around the event. Um, yeah. Mm. 
journeys and travel it really is like so intertwined into into everything that you do and and clearly like it seeps through to your creative process and um the way that you you imagine things which i think is awesome and i think something that like really um struck me is when you were talking you were talking about um having to travel and now having the internet and how that's sort of a version of everyone traveling together in a way yeah I, I mean that's one option but actually I mean I've been traveling within New York City it's like that you could if you leave the house and because of the restrictions of what you can do but open air has meant that again the democracy that I'm talking about it's like going to spaces online or offline where we can in a in a you know there's no kind of uh barriers financial barriers or you know technological barriers or whatever so you know physically the park here like there's two parts Tompkins Square and Seward Park where I've been hanging out Tompkins Square there's been shows like twice two three times a week people going down there and playing and um I ended up playing with a band and everybody's Latin but they're all from different countries so the, the lead is from Puerto Rico um this like they're all from different latin countries and um like his wife's from chile and so the audience is really mixed everything's mixed and it's like this is this is why we pay rent in new york city is because we're all here and but usually there's this kind of weird you know when in in pre-covid life it's like there's financial barriers that show who's going to go where but now it's like mm. where, whoever you are like basically your choice is the park or nothing pretty much yeah. so right so come on so, down <laughs> yeah so we're all there and it's like it's it's been the street life has been so great and just in the yeah. street just hanging out you know on my street on the stoop like people were there like anyone and but it's really warm and open and you know it's just it's just been really inspiring it's really interesting how you're talking about these different spaces and and it's it's interesting talking about like the internet as as a space and then like you said the park where there are like no it's like its own safe space in the way that there are no boundaries there and thinking about you know all these things like with lockdown considered um and also like when you were traveling before that and and years before like for so much of, of your life. Um, I'm just th like, this is this is sort of just interesting. Like I'm just thinking about the in between the spaces and in between like the actual journey itself. Um, because we've spoken to a few guests who have talked about journey and they imagine their music to be listened to on a journey. And I wonder when you're going in between those spaces, do you have any music that you listen to? on the journey is it different yeah what you make yeah I mean I so I, I don't know if many people really listen to their own music all the time that's kind of because you know, it's because it's also because it's what you're you know then it's work are like you going to be you know assessing yeah it. exactly um and I have a lot of silence in general um mm. like I, I don't have background obviously I don't have background music while I'm working I mean you guys yeah. if you're typing or something you've got background music I'm, I'm making music so I can't have background music um and I, so I generally listen to music on the go that's pretty much the only time that I really or, or I'll listen now and then I'll put on a record or when I'm cooking's another time actually but definitely in the car on the plane th these are times 
for deep listening and making really considered choices. But sometimes it's like if I'm going on the way to work with someone, then I'm going to be listening to that band's music and I'm going to be listening either yeah. to the, the unreleased stuff that we're going to be working on. So I'm basically working in my head or um, uh, or I'm going to be listening to their back catalogue. So I, I, you know, get immersed in the world of that artist so that I'm, you know, prepared um, but I mean, I've, I've done soundtracks to a bunch of travel shows. Like I, I worked on the Lonely Planet Guides shows. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it also translates into, into that. And it, it really depends on what kind of travel we're talking about. It's like if I'm driving from, you know, one American city to another, that's a very different kind of travel to, um, you know, if I'm on a, on a bus in Nepal, like, so. Mm. All depends. Yeah, it's... It's, um, I was going to say it's funny, but obviously it makes sense that you're obviously not listening to music when you work. And then I find, obviously, for me, it's the opposite. I work in like a busy office. We've always got various radio stations on, Spotify's on, SoundCloud's on. It's like sound, sound, sound all day. And then I find that um, when I go home, I either listen to the radio or like I kind of have nothing. I'm kind of like sounded out. I'm like <laughs> overwhelmed by sounds yeah. all day. Or, you know, and you come back from a festival and you're like, wait, everything hurts. I just want silence and like rest <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. yeah i think yeah. silence is definitely underrated right <laughs> yeah i mean i i, I do it and and I, I, most musicians i know have a lot of science because because we, we really love music so so the idea of like just kind of a wallpaper is that's not good music if you're not in, in, in you know drawn into it almost it's like it's almost a definition of like that kind of background stuff is like it's not very good mm. then if it's if you're not you know engaged and and you're emotionally put in a different space you know it's just kind of strange yeah. music but yeah so I think you know a lot of people I know it's, it's in this space uh, silence is the main that's the wallpaper thing is just silence and then listening to a, a really good record um, or or you know if you go down the Bandcamp hole whatever it is but just like then you're actually listening. Mm. There is also something really nice about listening to like a whole album. I feel like right now just doing it all on shuffle, it's so easy, but it's really nice being like, I'm going to listen to one person's album that's been put together in the order that they have done for a reason. It's, mm-hmm. it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a nice, refreshing change because I'm definitely like a big shuffler, which is, which is also fine, but yeah. it's really nice when you have yeah. just one, one thing. We were talking to um, Rob Howitt on the a couple of weeks ago. He's a, a future guest, but he like runs this um, venue, and he was saying that it's under a train line, and it's like you know, like oh, we've got we've got four minutes to mm. so, like go <laughs> in between like all the things. But right. I was just thinking, yeah. I was listening back to one a couple of our episodes, and where I live in Tottenham has been. Um, yeah kind of quiet but like not particularly quiet and there's definitely like sounds of sirens yeah. I can hear in the back of the interviews and I you probably yeah. see my cat come up and like he just sits in front of like drinks my water even though he's got his own but yeah there's never quite it's never quite silence but never nice. never never no, but indeed. I think it's amazing to even be able to sort of like notice that it like that even that's refreshing like being able to pick out the tiny tiny little sounds is that ever something that you've like sort of you incorporate I guess like with the stuff that you've done with with movement I guess movement does actually make certain sounds as well 
Um, have you ever considered that to be part of your music? Yeah, totally. I, I, I mean, I just did a soundtrack for an animation um, came out like, I think last week. Um, mm. It's a fashion brand called Totem and, and they put out a new handbag. And so it's a hand-drawn animation um, by actually a British animator called Joe Ratcliffe. Who I've worked with before and the soundtrack um she said she wanted to um get the feeling of New York into there so I put in some street recordings so it's, it's like the sounds of traffic but you know there's that American tone to traffic you can tell that it's New York mm. and if it's like the yellow cabs or whatever it is but like mm. um yeah so I had the the sounds of the streets in there and and then um layered some other stuff on top um so, yeah, oh, I mean, definitely that I'm aware of, I mean, I do kind of, you know, it's basically sound design as well as composition. I, I did another animation recently where it's, um, it was completely, it was both. Like I, I, I recorded a kind of lo-fi hip hop track and then put in a whole bunch of sound design to bring to life the animation. So it's not like real life, but, you know, it's that you can see popcorn happening on screen. So I like recorded some popcorn and then chopped up the sound of the, the recording so that each of the popcorns oh popped at the right time you know so and good. yeah like a bunch of different you know there were fish flopping around in the animation so I kind of did some squelchy noises and then put them in the right place and yeah that's great like, yeah I love it I really love like that. that um it's probably actually a good segue into your your work which is very very cool been watching some stuff I recently what I recently watched the video with um the little Chanel like illustrations that's Joe yeah yeah different different ad that was that one was for Chanel like two two years ago but yeah same artist oh oh yeah it's beautiful it's really cool I love that kind of style of like very like pencil-y kind of brushes yeah yeah, she's amazing Um, I'm definitely gonna check out afterwards I love a good illustrator um but yeah you've got a very big portfolio of work um with sort of like tv film I guess like I want to say like almost just like just visual kind of like stuff do you have any favorite projects that you've worked on? Um, favorite can projects? You not, can you not? I mean, pit them against each other. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I, like there's there's lots of different projects I was I was really happy to be a part of. Um, recently, I I did a commercial for Vans um, with a director called Joel Fox, who's just super inventive, like mm. funny. He's hilarious. Like he, all his films are very quirky. Um, so that, that one was a really great project to work on. That was um, one with all the sort of like flowers, like blossoming from the shoe. Like yeah. Crystals. Crystals. He, he basically, crystals, yeah. yeah, no, it was like his little science experiment. He got his favorite pair of Vans. He was kind of pissed cause he was like, I wish I could have used just a new pair of Vans, but like for the aesthetic, <laughs> I kind of needed a worn in pair. So like my favorite really worn in ones. He then grew oh. crystals. He did. He put them in this, like you know, bath of like various chemicals, so that the crystals came out. And I did the you know this weird sound of the crystals, which wasn't real. It was like me making up a, what the crystals might sound like if they weren't silent. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, so that oh. one was fun, and and um, I did a couple of feature films, and so they were fun in a, a big way. Um, I was actually meant to do another feature this year. That was my plan for twenty twenty that got pulled because 2020 mm, yeah um, so you know I look forward to that one coming back round um, when they're able um, but yeah I mean it, it's I like doing small videos as, as well as doing larger feature things there, there was a, a project at an art project um, for MoMA with with Tilda Swinton in it and just because it was Tilda it was like 
exciting to <laughs> yeah of that. course yeah <laughs> yeah um no sorry carry on I don't know like oh, sorry. Uh, well, what, what else you I, mean, I could just list no, stuff I thought... I've done but like there's, there's been a lot of fun in the last how many years like yeah oh good no I thought I interrupted you um I was gonna say is there like a big difference maybe towards your like approach to the project or something that is long form compared to short form yeah um I mean there's a there is a longer timeline there's a there's a much longer conversation with the director and there's different budget constraints. So usually a short form thing, it's it's going to be just me working on it. For a feature film, there's usually going to be the ability to have other people pulled in as well as myself. So um, I guess that's that's you know. And then in the conversation, you you kind of figure out you spend more time because also it's a longer project with different moods. So you know you literally have to have it's like you know the, the length of x many short films so each of those bits of music you need to figure out what what you're going to do um so yeah a lot, lot more mm. talk yeah you know, the first feature i did um i had breakfast with the director i think it was twice a week we used to go off and to a coffee shop and meet before he'd selected the actors you know it's like you, composers often brought in right at the beginning so you've got a script and you've got a director and a producer and that's it and they've, they've not started to audition for the actors yet so that you can start to build the world with them because it is it's an it's an emotional world that I'm building basically and so it's you know it it, it needs to grow at the same time as the director's having the, the visual for it really um, and often they do have notes for the audio as well they've got references or or just emotional notes that they want you to take on board. So, um, yeah, we, we started having breakfast together. So I think it was twice a week, um, way before anything happened. And then for that project, I was on location for a month with the actors um, living in a house. So it was the three of us, the two leads and me in a house together so that we could all understand what the work was and what we were building. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, whereas a short film, that would none of that has ever happened. <laughs> yeah. You know? I don't think I knew it was such a long process. I don't know why I didn't. I kind of thought that there'd be like more, maybe like visual to work with when you were creating sound for it. I kind of didn't. I don't think I necessarily realised that. But now it makes perfect sense so, that like composers would help build the, the it, emotion. It, it depends. You know, another feature I worked on, I was brought in last. So the, <laughs> the whole movie had been done and I, I was brought in when the editor was brought in. And... um so then I, you know, I, it was like a completely different process. Both of these ways of working are completely acceptable and fine that, you know, that like, and I came up with work I was happy with, with both. That's the noise we're talking about. <laughs> There's construction going on now. I wonder when that was going to happen. Um, Perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, there's no one way of working and every director is different. Every project's different. So if you've got the same director, but they're in a different project, it might be there's a completely different way of working again. Um, also, the confidence and familiarity with your own work, you know, it's if they know your stuff or not, and how, how long your conversation has been happening, or if you just have chemistry. Mm. So, if it, you know, it, it, there's, there is no one way of it working. I think it's, it's unusual, the one that I described where I was on location and having breakfast with a guy every all the time. And, you know, I think that was... Um, unusually integrated but the 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 story the narratives about music so that's where he needed to make sure that everything was you know perfect and his vision was going to be realized mm. do you have many 
Or, or is, I mean, there must be, but is there much like kind of, not animosity, but is it kind of difficult to bring someone's kind of vision to life? That's the job. There's no animosity whatsoever. I mean, that what I'm there for is that. That's literally what I want to do. I don't want to bring my own thing to the table. No, that's a solo record. Like, you know, no. There's, there's a zero wish for me to battle with anyone. Um, like, I, I just don't want to. It's not that I'm being good or I'm being polite or something. It's just like, I, I literally enjoy bringing out somebody else's vision in that space because I know there's going to be another time for me to bring out my own vision it's like, so there's no like sacrifice what I'm there to do at that point is is to to try and figure out and then create that that perfectly and that's that's what I take a pride in doing when I'm working on a soundtrack it seems like um not niche but I, I know a lot of musicians who really want to kind of get into that kind of world and don't really know kind of where to start or how to practice even well, um, I believe I'm right in saying still that it's less than 5% of composers are female. So it's just worth stating that, you know, as a little thing. Basically, how you get into it is because you know somebody is generally how it happens. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why the figure is low, because who's making films? So yeah. you just say it's not it's not a, a, a conspiracy. There's no, like, awful plot, but it's just you literally want to just work with somebody that you know and trust and you've hung together and you probably had some beers together and that's where the barrier probably is but for me I was playing in a club um so I was just out making music um in a space in London and a complete stranger heard the music that I was making and came up to me after my set and um said I like your music would you be interested in doing a soundtrack and mm. I was like, yeah, I'm interested. Let's talk. So then, you know, we, I can't remember if we had a call or whatever it was. And he told me about the project and, um, you know, I did the project and he thought it was great. And I got another project. And then, then suddenly I'm rolling in a space where there's filmmakers and I'm suddenly in that space. So I think, I think it's, you know, worth noting that that's how you kind of get into the spaces by being in the space. Mm. and so if you know that then you can maybe take a shortcut and just be in the space um and right now I think the barrier is lower than it has been before in terms of the internet again it's like there's mm. all this access that's usually really gated but if, if you you know just use a google search and find places where filmmakers might be hanging out online and go to those places which is often in a free zoom call and then <laughs> make a connection don't pitch your stuff to people because there's nothing more off-putting than somebody just pitching you but you know just finding talented people whose stuff you resonate with and um and connecting with them and then slowly pitching them at some point if they don't pitch you <laughs> but they might pitch yeah. you it's just like it's more like you know that curiosity of mind is is the thing where I think where it comes from more um so yeah I think there's there's a lot of ability now that there maybe wasn't in 2019 for for people to break into this space mm. yeah it's a good a good point you say I think definitely about connecting I mean I've even found it with like my role and although it's in music but kind of more behind the scenes and people are like yeah but how do you do it I'm like there's particularly people well yeah I want to get into the behind the scenes bit I'm like there's there's places like LinkedIn and there's anyone in any music label or you know 90 mm. percent of them are on LinkedIn I'm People love to talk about themselves. Just shoot them a message. They will 
answer you. Like some somebody yes. will answer you. Um, I don't know. If somebody asked me about my job, I'm more than happy to be like, yeah, like I'll tell you about. It's not very interesting, I'm sure, but I can tell you. Um, and I yeah. think it's kind of like just putting yourself out there, and you'll you'll get an answer back at some point. Absolutely, I, I feel like so many people who, like you said, want who are thinking about maybe pursuing music or they're scared of it or maybe people who are and feel a little bit lost because we all have like those moments where we're like I'm shit at what I do or I feel lost and then like you have other moments where you're like I'm great like (laughs) it's so up and down that is the main point actually it's just I think working on yourself and working on that inner critic and maybe the inner critic's right actually it's that thing of like listening it's not always I don't believe in the like we've always got to big ourselves up inside and it's all optimism. There is actually maybe you, you need to work on your stuff and then approach people. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, I was speaking for myself, I'm using the word you, but like, you know, it's, it's, it's addressing when, I definitely shouldn't speak to yourself harshly, but if there is a point, like if you do think it's not quite ready to go yet, then to spend the time and to make it good. And yeah. then, and then also simultaneously to build on your own self-esteem and confidence. Yeah, that's a totally healthy approach. It's like setting, it's like having this perfect balance and almost setting boundaries with yourself. Earlier on, you mentioned you really like soundtracks. Is that what really kind of pushed you into this work? Like your love of it before, or did you kind of fall in love with it with the more work you did? Is it? Um, I, I, I've always love watching films like from I mean we, we all did right we all grew up lo- loving watching tv and film and, and animations and all of that um and yeah I think the the deeper you get into any medium the more you appreciate um you know how fun it is to do and and also the the craft of those that came before you you know what what people are doing is it's, it's a it's a great medium it's lovely you know that is the collaboration I, I I'm you know generally sat on my own and the collaboration is with the visual with the the cinematographer and the video and the you know the script and everything that's in mm. there so yeah I love nice. it mm-hmm. definitely do you have any that- oh no carry on this is- I, no I thought I interrupted <laughs> you <laughs> do you have any um bits that you're like I really wish I wrote that you know those things you're like this is so amazing and it's so all-encompassing I really wish I if you could write yeah I don't know I don't know if that's a strange question but you like there's something you listen to and you're like this is bloody fantastic i mean i i love lots of music but i I don't get like fomo i wish it was me like no not really like it's like yeah no i I mean i love listening to so so much different stuff and watching great films and and often i'm sat there thinking you know like um hilda godner is the the obvious one joker you know because she's she's also i mean we've kind of got a a similar lineage we both work with genesis piorage who i've known forever and and um she worked with him too and and we've both got cellos and electronics and she's got like insane success in doing joker and i have not reached that pinnacle so there is you know that would be the obvious comparison but I, i don't wish that I was her i don't wish that i'd made her music but I, I do absolutely appreciate it in a way that i think you know i think i think i can maybe appreciate it more than many because i understand the brilliance of it yeah. you know yeah that, yeah you understand where it's coming from and probably all the challenges that probably happened to get it to the place that it's at mm, yeah i guess so yeah 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 the bigger picture no that's wonderful and then 
I mean, for the final question, it's the classic on repeat question. But who are you <laughs> keeping on repeat at the moment? Have you got any particular mu- musicians you're listening to, bands? Yeah, I mean, I guess, um, you know, here in New York, I, I mentioned the, the guys in the park. Um, they're called Pink Louds. It's P-I-N-C-L-O-U-D-S, um, Pink Louds. Um, they, they released... It was I mean I couldn't believe this. It was so genius in May. So in May, when everybody May twenty twenty, everybody was in lockdown. Everyone was miserable, confused, worried, you know, anxious, whatever. Mm. They put out this song called Hopscotch. Go see it on YouTube. There's a video and a song. I, it was just like, how did you a on lockdown? You even did that? Like, and it's so <laughs> it's so joyous and ridiculous and funny and exactly what everyone needed. It was just like, oh my god, I can't believe you got that together. So that's that's been on repeat this summer um nice. i guess I, I put out a record with a guy called brendan edda so i i listened to that a bunch um my friends are smashing pumpkins i've got a new album just came out and an ep the ep in ashes has a, a whole video aspect it's an animation series um so that's on youtube as well um i've been going down the band camp hole listening yeah. to a lot of idm and footwork and vaporwave stuff and and then this week oliver coates had a record out so he's he's a, a another like cello plus electronics kind of guy so he, he's got a new record that um i have been listening to today love it that's amazing Lovely. and i actually just realized i do actually have one more question it's kind of not really a question because i realized i lied but yeah. um you said you listened to amanda's and she has she yeah lived yeah. in new york like 10 10 years ago now i think it was and obviously New York has changed and you said you'd love to talk about it. And I don't know if, if it's possible to kind of say how you kind of think it's different now. I mean, I've never been, yes. so I don't know. Well, I, I think that every, you know, having traveled so much and, and that's involved being in places at different eras, different times. So the first time I came to New York was the late 90s. And it's just, I guess, you know, any place that any the listener is in now, so you, you're in Tottenham, you know, wherever the listener is sitting right now, if you think back to 10 years ago, in if you were in that same place, it's like, it probably was very different mm. in terms of so many aspects, in terms of the people that live there, in terms of the economics, the general background of the culture, the lack of pandemic, like so <laughs> yeah. many things. And so... You know, it, whenever you talk about a city, it's always a time and a place intertwined. Um, and so, yeah, New York in the 90s was a completely different thing to New York now. And New York 10 years ago was completely different to now, like even more so, I'd say. So so New York 10 years ago was all about money. It was a very rich time for the city. For, for me, as somebody who wasn't super wealthy at that point, um it it was a hard time it was like there was known as the rich man's playgrounds that's kind of what people kind of called manhattan so Mm. you know it's like it was a time of fabulous Mm. restaurants if you had the money there was all kinds of stuff to do there was like beautiful restaurants and incredible galleries that sell you very expensive artwork and great designers and it was a very capitalist moment for new york city and so if you were on that end of the spectrum Apparently it was super fun. Um, on my end of the spectrum, uh, it was not super fun. It was like basically prohibitive for doing much stuff. And you spent all your time just paying the rent because the rent was super high. So now, um, well, for starters in the pandemic, there was a rent freeze or an eviction freeze, 
not in a rent yeah. freeze, it was an eviction freeze. So there was some flexibility on the rent. There was unemployment income. Low overheads makes a huge difference to where less affluent people can spend a little time out. Yeah. So that's where street culture came about because people could have a little space for free time and there was nowhere to spend your money anyway. So everyone's out on the street and they're hanging and they're playing shows. And then, then the art galleries were showing stuff through their windows. So, you know, it's just like nobody, all that whole kind of entertainment around capitalism thing just disappeared. And so this city is completely different to a year ago, let alone 10 years ago. And now it's, it, I've, it's never been better. You know, it's like, that that barrier is just gone and and you know and also it's just you know people of color feeling so much more confident because of everything that's happened mm -hmm. and so they're, they're more visible and and on my street there's like so much street art there's so much graffiti and beautiful like really because these came out with like huge boom boxes a ton of lights like no thought that the police are going to get anyone you know, this, <laughs> this, this isn't like come with a spray can and do a quick tag and run away it's like spend seven hours yeah. doing a mural <laughs> and then come back the next day to continue that work, you know, like amazing um, explosion of creativity. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Mina. That was amazing. Yeah, um, no, it's really lovely to, to chat with you both. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm happy with it. And I, I'm, I'm you, you did a you crafted a really lovely interview between you. So yeah, thank you. Oh, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. much Samina for taking the time out to speak to us we really appreciate it particularly because it was her lunchtime and it was definitely our evening so you know it's the middle of her day and the end of ours yeah. um it was very helpful super fascinating to chat to her and yeah she's done amazing work you can find out more from her on her website which is ilovestrings.com and that's also her instagram we'll have all the links in the show notes yes and if you want to leave a review uh, we'd love to see them we oh my god we do. do and i don't know maybe if you have um any guests that you're really interested in that you might want us to interview please do let us know because you know we love to keep it eclectic and it would be really nice to to hear because we we love yeah. talking to everyone so listener requests listener requests listener requests indeed and we've got some really exciting announcements coming up as we get towards the season so do keep Ooh. your ears peeled is that a thing keep your ears peeled well i think so it should yeah, be it is it now, is now. <laughs> keep your ears peeled and your, and your eyes open. Open. <laughs> <laughs> bye everyone see you next week <laughs> keep it on repeat <laughs>